The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Hey, Marks, one year since UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak took office. In a 12 months dominated by workers' strikes, Tory party disputes, and of course the recent outbreak of the conflict in Israel, how has the Conservative Party leader fared? Well, joining me in studio to talk about this as well as the latest from Gaza, Alistair Campbell, consultant, strategist, mental health campaigner, and co host of the podcast The Rest is Politics with Rory Stewart. Good morning, Alistair. Hi, Pat, how are you? I'm very well. Um, one year of Rishi Sunak. Who knew? Who knew that he'd survive or who knew who Rishi Sunak was? <laughs> who, who knew? It kind of passed us by in so many ways. Oh, but, you know, it's kind of, I mean, a year since Liz Truss and Liz Truss is now parading around presenting herself as the saviour for the conservatives and the, and the world. She's got a book coming out called How to Save the World in 10 Years or 10 Years to Save the World. Mm. Is subtitled How to Destroy the British Economy in Three Days and Save the World. She doesn't seem to have acknowledged that bit. And she, she she's going around basically. This is part of the world that we're in where there's no, um, there's a sense of impunity. There's no real accountability. And there's no shame. I, I think if, I said last night at the event I was speaking at at the Mansion House, I said that if I was Liz Truss, I would just want to hide away forever. I'd have plastic surgery and wear a wig and I'd immigrate. But she's got no shame. So she's out now lecturing everybody about how she was right all along. Does she believe it herself, though? I don't know. I really don't know. This is what I think is wrong. So, so for example, again, I said last night, Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, I don't believe that she thinks that the problem of migration is going to be solved by putting people on planes to Rwanda. They, they, They believe in whatever they think they need to say to appeal to the base of the Conservative Party. And how base is the base? Oh, well, I think... I mean, is it the lowest common denominator? I think... Well, I think for Braverman it definitely is. Braverman thinks she... If, if the Tories lose the election, which it looks like that they will, I think the money, the sort of Conservative money is on Suella Braverman. Now, I think for most members of the public, a lot of members of the public, that's a horrifying thought. But that's what she's, that's what she's motoring on right now. So these are... This is what populism is. It's, it's exploiting problems rather than solving problems. So I think, I think we are in a very, very bad place. And, you know, it's not just my Labour bias that says I think we desperately need a change of government, but we need a lot more than a change of government. Um, there was a time when you could refer to uh, people like Michael Heseltine as the, the big beasts of the Tory party. There don't seem to be big beasts anymore. Well, I'll tell you, we, we, on, on the podcast I did with Rory Stewart, we interviewed yesterday Saeed Avasi, who was in the Cameron cabinet. And she listed the ministers that she sat around the table with, which even then, I mean, they weren't giants, but they were kind of, you know, people like David Willits, and they, they, were, they were reasonable people. Uh, I mean, Rory Stewart was in the cabinet not that long ago. He's now not even in the Conservative Party. Ken Clark was in that cabinet. He's not in the Conservative Party. I don't know whether he's rejoined or whether he's been allowed to rejoin. So these were people that even I, as a Labour supporter, could look at and think, well, at least they've got something about them. I, I said last night, I don't see anybody in the Cabinet, including Rishi Sunak, who would have got into Mrs Thatcher's Cabinet on, on merit. As a, as a, I mean, Rishi Sunak strikes me as... I don't, know, I don't really know what he stands for. Uh, his, his alleged vision that he's set out at the recent conference, you know, scrapping HS2, something to do with smoking, and 
some and something to do with reforming A levels. There was no. I mean, what does that tell you? It just tells you that he's kind of scrabbling around for ideas. Now, an election is not too far away. So, what will the battleground be? Uh, there's always the the complication of the war that's going on in Gaza. We know that the Labour Party was riven before with arguments about Israel and the Palestinians and so on. It might suit the Tories to make that part of the battleground. Um, but where else is the NHS the big? topic that just needs to be addressed by both parties i think i think where the battleground is at the moment is in the sense that britain just isn't working uh, that things just don't function in the way that a modern state should uh, so i think there'll be a, yeah i think the health service is massive i think the economy is massive um i mean if you look at keir starmer's five missions i think they're focused on the right areas which is economic growth the environment green energy crime health service and and what he calls shattering the class ceiling, which is the sense of giving everybody an equal opportunity. So I think they're the right areas, but I think that what even with the massive by-elections last week, I think Labour recognised that there's still a lot to do to cement in the public mind what it is that Labour actually want to do, what Labour would do as a government. And coming in at a time when the economy is going to be in far worse shape than it was, for example, when we took over in 1997. But that probably means tax increases of uh, a certain degree. You can tax the rich to a point, but you really need to tax everybody to get a little bit from everybody to, to, to generate the kind of funds to do the job that needs to be done. Well, I doubt very much that you'll be hearing that from either side during the election. <laughs> uh, and, the, in, interest, and I think that is why he's putting all his eggs in the growth basket. And they're talking about a different industrial strategy, a different approach to the economy. And I think, you know, it was very interesting to me. One of the most interesting things at the Labour conference was Mark Carney, the governor, the former governor of the Bank of England, coming out and specifically endorsing Rachel Reeves as chancellor. I thought that was quite a big moment. So I think that is, that is the economic world, the economic establishment, the business world sort of saying, we're fine with these guys and we know there's got to be change. But I think, the, and the point about the reason why Labour are probably right to be cautious on tax, which in the old days you know, back in the kind of Michael Foote, Neil Kinnett days, that, that is what Labour did. Is it, you'll get more tax under... And Michael Foote never got himself elected. And nor did Neil. Um, almost, but not quite. Almost, but not quite, 1992. And, but I think that... So we did some polling for the rest of politics uh, a few weeks ago, and it was very, very interesting because Labour were way ahead, but the minute you say, what about if Labour were proposing to raise your income tax and you see it kind of yeah. down a bit. So I think the growth, the growth agenda is where they'll be. Um, I think it could be quite a nasty election because I think the Tories will be pretty desperate. Um, it strikes me, though, the Tories don't really have a record to defend. You know, if you, if you say to most British people, when I bump into people who say, I'm still voting Tory, and I'll say, well, okay, tell me one thing that's got better in Britain in the last 13 years. And they struggle. They really struggle. You can't say, you can't say the schools are better. You can't say health's better. You can't say crime's better. You can't say transport's better. You can't say the economy's better. And Rishi Sunak doesn't, it doesn't strike me as somebody who's either got a big plan for the future or, or even got the capacity to have one because his party is so riven. Will the love that dare not speak its name uh, come up in the election? I'm thinking of that. The, the love of Brexit. 
because you were talking last night at uh, the Mason Hayes and Curran uh, Financial Services Insight event at the Mansion House and uh, the press release I saw said that uh, you talked about the prospect of Britain rejoining the EU. Well, they had a, a live vote of the audience of whether they thought the UK would be back inside the European Union by 2040. And the vote last year, they did the same vote last year, apparently, and it was just over 50% saying no. And it was exactly the same last night. And I think that's not far off. I think it's unlikely, to be absolutely frank, uh, for two reasons. One is Labour has, and nor have the Liberal Democrats, neither of the opposition part, main opposition parties have been saying that is part of their objective. Keir Starmer could not be clearer. We're not even joining the single market or the customs union. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I pointed out that the European Union and the major countries of the European Union, they are also changing. So it's not impossible Marine Le Pen will be president of France. It's not impossible that the alternative for Deutschland will be very powerful within Germany. You've now got far-right parties, part of governments in Scandinavia. Um, Donald Tusk just had that amazing election win in Poland, which somebody asked about last night. Um, but just because that's one populist government defeated doesn't mean that populism is defeated. So I think it's, I think it's incredibly complicated. It's possible because the, the other thing about the modern world is that things change so quickly. But I think for Keir Starmer to... The first thing he's going to have to do when he goes in, if he's got a growth strategy, is to improve relations with the European Union. And that includes trying to fix the trade and cooperation agreement, which is part of the agreement anyway. That has to be readdressed. Um, but rejoining the European Union, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, uh, I'm sceptical. I mean, I want it to happen. I'm desperate for it to happen. So uh, the Tories will probably paint uh, the Labour Party as uh, the party that will uh, tax you more to uh, do the Very job. Very hard when you've got the highest taxation levels we've ever had right now. Yeah, but, uh, you know, the, the will, yeah. NHS going broke and all of that needs to be fixed. But more likely they will say the Labour Party is the party that wants to take your transit van from you the one that you're plumbing from or carpentering from or whatever, they want to take it from you and force you into an electric vehicle that you cannot afford. They will try that, and they've been trying that since the Oxbridge by-election. Um, and <laughs> Bill Clinton used to say, I wish I was as powerful as a woman in a focus group in Detroit, <laughs> because you'd, your people would listen to these people and think, oh, that's what we should do. And... I, at the moment, I wish I was as powerful as somebody who didn't vote Labour in the Uxbridge by-election because this whole change on the environment has been driven by that vote. Now, I think they've completely misread it. Um, it's true that there are costs to the transition and that what the populists are now trying to do is saying that these are, these are costs that will be put on you, quotes the ordinary person, while the rich and the wealthy, as ever, will get away with everything. And there's, you know, I can see the... The political appeal of that. But what's interesting to me is they tried that in the recent by-elections. I think Oxbridge was about all sorts of different things. So you're right, they'll try and play that. But I feel everything they're doing at the moment is just a bit desperate. You know, the the stop the boats thing. Uh, I just, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I think people are... I think people have seen through this populist stuff. Interestingly, I was in Paris recently and I saw Francois Hollande who made a really interesting observation, which I've been thinking about a lot since. He said he thinks that we hit our peak populism with Brexit. 
And people now are beginning, becoming very wise to it, whereas lots of the European Union have yet to hit their peak populism. Um, just touching on the war in Gaza at the moment, it, because it is like Groundhog Day, um, something happens, Hamas throw rockets across the border, many, many thousands in this case, Israel reacts and we have death and destruction and it's a repeating cycle. What's to be done? Uh, I mean, it's it's so depressing at the moment and... I think that, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. I think both Rory Stewart and I feel, and a lot of the people we've spoken to feel, that part of this has happened because the world thought it was calm and stable. And one of the reasons for that is that people kind of turned away from it. There hasn't... We People have been talking about Oslo, the Oslo Accords. I mean, they haven't been implemented. Uh, they haven't happened. And there hasn't really... John Kerry, I think, was really tried. I think he did try. But there hasn't really been that sense of an international push to address the issue. And, of course, you've got a very, very, very right-wing Israeli government that kind of elements of which it's not just that there isn't uh, an active push to try to resolve the issue. There's an active push from these Ben Gavir and Smotrich, these very, very extreme right-wing guys, to make sure it doesn't happen. And so I, I, I think right now that the only good thing that has come out of this um, amidst all the bad, has been that at last the international leaders have focused upon it once again. Because um, in the end, it's, it's the same as, you know, we were talking last night about the Northern Ireland peace process. And, you know, there are many differences, but there are some parallels. But if you're looking for one, the most important parallel, it is that no matter how much violence is going on, ultimately, unless there is a political process in which people have some confidence that it can lead somewhere, this goes nowhere. So that's what has to be resurrected. Alistair Campbell, co-host of The Rest is Politics podcast with Rory Stewart. Alistair, thank you very much for joining us in the studio. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.